Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. A Ukrainian grad rocket is maneuvered to point to Russian positions in the eastern Donetsk region, where tense battles have continued to rage. When ready, the rockets are fired. The soldiers fired using coordinates received from commanders and quickly sped away to avoid detection. A Ukrainian serviceman operating the weapon, known as Voron, said he thinks the counteroffensive in the Donetsk region will be harder than it was in the Kharkiv and Kherson regions, saying, It will be very difficult, but we can do it. We know why we are doing it. The move by the Ukrainian military comes as Russian forces pounded provinces of Ukraine that are annexed but not fully under their control, including the Donetsk region. I'm Karen Chamas. Uh, update and uh, a sense of urgency, I think, as to what's happening in Ukraine, especially in the next couple of weeks. Glad you're back with us here. The Bill Kelly Show on 980 CFPL London, 900 CHML in Hamilton. And uh, some new developments uh, about uh, what's going to happen going forward here. We know that, uh, of course, the Ukrainian Prime Minister is in Canada right now meeting with Prime Minister Trudeau. And I'm sure that they're going to be talking about uh, more support, financial and otherwise, uh, for the, the war effort in Ukraine. Uh, but a former president of, of, of that country, uh, Poroshenko, who was the president, of course, from 2014 to 2019, uh, has written a, a, an interesting op-ed piece that was uh, actually published in the Globe and Mail uh, that basically lays a, a game plan uh, that this is what needs to be done uh, to defeat Russia and how important it is to do that. It's an interesting read. Uh, to talk about this, uh, please to welcome back to the program Elliot Tepper, who is an emeritus professor of political science at Carleton University, uh, who has studied uh, the events in Ukraine and Russia for quite some time now. Elliot, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for the time today. Thank you. Good morning, Bill. I was quite impressed with Poroshenko's game plan here. He's almost like laying out a strategy, and it's it's almost like a, a wish list, uh, but it's not just for, for his eyes or for the, the, the people of, of Ukraine. Uh, this is a global effort that he wants to see happen, to, the big push. All, the, the tone of this, Ellie, seems to be that, you know, we can do this and we can defeat Vladimir Putin at the same time. I, I, I don't know if that's wishful thinking or there's some hard evidence that that's, that's a possibility here. He's laid out a, a broad stroke outline, basically saying we need to increase the sanctions on Russia. They're hurting. But we also need to do something much more in terms of cutting off their oil supply. There's ways of doing that. And he details that uh, the, the Russians are getting around the oil embargo by uh, a various means. And he talks about having to deal with the, uh, with the ships involved and so forth. This is yet another bit of evidence suggesting that there are more ways to assist Ukraine in its effort to at least not lose this war and possibly to win this war. And of course, the Ukrainian prime minister is in Canada today to further the we can win this war, but we need more help. And and it's basically it's a direction here to to choke Russia off economically. That seems to be it. Uh, that, as you say, they're doing an end run around a lot of these sanctions right now, with the assistance of China in some cases, and and some some rogue uh, tankers, I guess, that are still you know shooting fuels, uh, you know, back and forth across the ocean these days. But he seems to want to do this for, uh, I guess, two main reasons here, Elliot. One, of course, is is to choke off the Russian economy. But at the same time, he feels that uh, that doing so 
uh, would probably weaken Putin to the point now where they may actually decide that maybe they don't want this guy as their leader anymore. Now, we've heard this for the last two years uh, and haven't really seen any evidence of it. But is, is, is that actually a possibility that the oligarchs and others who are going to be impacted by some of these sanctions or these increased sanctions uh, may actually turn on their leader? Well, of course, that's the, the unspoken hope uh, all along, that if we squeeze the economy, that will squeeze the oligarchs and uh, other business people and the military, and they in turn will then squeeze uh, Putin to change his behavior, and if he doesn't, then he'll be replaced. There's no actual evidence that this is occurring. Uh, the the uh, release recently of a, uh, an insider's report, uh, there was a fellow who was part of the insiders, he was a colonel in the Russian uh, military, he said, look, I can tell you what's going on inside. Mr. Putin is paranoid. He's afraid people are going to kill him, and he takes all the necessary procedures to see to it it doesn't happen. So he also, uh, as we have noted in the past, he takes measures to see to it that oligarchs don't get too big so that they are a threat to him. Uh, He's thrown a number of them in prison in the past, and there has been a surprising number of suicides by oligarchs after they murder their own families, and then they kill themselves or they get they throw themselves out a window. So he is acting in a way to the potential threat that you've outlined here, and that has been basically the Western strategy for a while. But he's fully aware of it and taking countermeasures. One of the key elements of this that he talks about extensively here, and I, I can understand the rationale for this, uh, is uh, to control the misinformation that's coming out of Russia. And you talked about, you know, how the Russian people are actually reacting to this, or conversely, the impact that the sanctions are having on them. Uh, that you know, the story out of Moscow is no, everything's fine here. You know, they're, they're not hurting us at all. People are still supportive of the war. Yada yada yada. Uh, but that misinformation is, is really the foundation for an awful lot of the pushback, uh, for instance, in the United States these days, you know, from a number of people in the Republican Party right now that said enough is enough. It's about time we turned our backs on Ukraine. Poroshenko seems to understand that you've got to allay uh, those concerns by simply saying that the stuff you're hearing from Moscow is simply not true. Yes, he's, uh, he's doing an effective job there of saying, look, if you give us all the various things that he's outlined there, we can actually win this war, and we're winning it on your behalf. Uh, the real message coming out of Ukraine from all sources is that this isn't a war of Russia against Ukraine. It's a war of Russia against the West and Western values, and not just the West, of course. Japan's a big player in all this, and Korea, for that matter. So we we have the autocracy versus democracy argument, uh, the article you're referring to, and other sources. Zelensky does this all the time, says, we are fighting your fight for you. If you allow Mr. Putin to win, if he prevails, then he will change the geopolitics of the region to your disadvantage. We are doing the fighting for you. Give us the tools and we will carry on. And these points that, uh, that you know, Poroshenko talks about here, and, and as you say, Zelensky is, is referring to, have also now become, I've noticed, the talking points of the Biden administration and a number of, of, of supportive Democrats in the Senate and in the House in the United States right now to, to underscore just how important this is on a global basis. That if, And because there's a history here, isn't there, Elliot? We already, it's not Putin might decide to expand. He's already started. This is all part of his grand plan. Yes, this is a, a major effort to, transform the geopolitics of the world as the U.S. seems to be waning 
And remember that he's got a partner, Mr. Putin, in China. And China's mm-hmm. motto is, the East is rising, the West is declining. And they have just once again signaled their partnership and facilitating the decline of the Western uh, rules-based order and replace it with their version of what an order would be. And that's a stark reminder that what's at stake in Ukraine is to be sure that never happens. Talk to us a little bit about, I I don't think anybody can get inside Vladimir Putin's head, but it it seemed pretty obvious over the last number of years that uh, that he almost looks at himself as the reincarnation of Joseph Stalin. You know, he wants to reestablish the Soviet Union. He wants to be, you know, the the ruler who leads for life with an, an iron fist. Uh, but clearly, Russia is in a much weaker position than they were even when he took over uh, in government some time ago. Now, they are still a nuclear power, as you've mentioned, and, and that, that's you know, not, nothing to, to, to dismiss. But at the same time, they're, just, they're so reliant on China right now and India and so many other nations right now that, that Putin, I don't want to say he's bluffing, but he's not nearly as powerful as he would want to believe on the world stage, is he? Well, this was a master stroke to change that. It isn't just Stalin, and he's behaving in that fashion, and Russians are once again uh, being reminded of what it was like to live under a, a communist regime, but the, the tactics are there. But Peter the Great, he was going to restore Russia to the greatness uh, it deserves. He was going to be basically the czar of all the Russias. With a master stroke, he was going to intervene dramatically and decisively by eliminating Ukraine as an independent country. He was going to occupy it. We, you know, we've talked about this, the one-week war. He was going to decapitate Kiev. He was going to then have a referendum and incorporate Ukraine and then move Russian missiles and all of its firepower deep into the heart of Europe, uh, perhaps then roll over Moldova. Of course, uh, Belarus would automatically fall under their suzerainty. And this would transform geopolitics instantly and dramatically in Russia's favor so they are no longer seen as a declining power, you know, a nuclear-powered gas station is the way they're d- described. And he would indeed use the nuclear threat in addition to other means to achieve that master stroke backstopped by uh, China to uh, really transform the geopolitics of the world. It has failed because of the courageousness and effectiveness of the Ukraine and the assistance they are getting. And that takes us back to the Ukrainian prime minister in Canada saying, give us the assistance we need and we appreciate what you've done Uh, But uh, all around the world, we need material coming into us. Russia is gaining its material. We we read now maybe from Egypt and uh, other places, certainly North Korea. The relationship between Iran and Russia should not be overlooked. We have to deal with that sometime perhaps in a conversation. Mm -hmm. But the main point of all this is he had a master stroke. It didn't work. He has not given it up. He's committed to it. And we have to be equally committed on our side, clear-eyed as to the nature of the threat that is being uh, put in front of us and what is necessary, as that Poroshenko article outlines, to uh, defeat that vision. Uh, we'll watch for the Canadian response from the Prime Minister, of course, hopefully later today. Elliot, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for this today. Oh, uh, good to talk to you, Bill, always. Take care. Elliot Tepper from uh, Carleton University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.